Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 5 and 40 podcast. My name is Gregory Steele. I'm your host. This is episode number 14, uh, September 20th, 2020. Uh, just as a quick disclaimer, uh, you know, anything I say in the podcast is my own opinion and it doesn't reflect the opinions of uh, any other person or any other employer or entity. Uh, just have to get that one out of the way. But uh, 5 and 40 podcast is the podcast where we talk about five topics in somewhere around 40 minutes. And we try to cover some interesting things. I appreciate everybody who has been listening and people who tell me they heard the podcast and give me suggestions. I really appreciate that. It really makes this worth doing. Um, so let's get into topic number one. And so for topic number one today, I was going to talk about recycling. It's kind of interesting. I think I mentioned previously I'd been listening to a podcast called the Planet Money Podcast. It's a podcast that NPR puts out, but it's all about money and economics and finances and things like that. And it's fairly interesting. They don't just sit there and talk about really boring topics. They really do a good job of kind of looking all over and looking for interesting stories. And so I've listened to quite a few episodes now, and there have been a couple of episodes about recycling. And so we are a family that has been recycling. Uh, we've been recycling everything. We've been doing aluminum, cardboard, glass, plastics, uh, paper products, all these kind of things. And we've been doing that now for quite a few years. And I've always been sort of interested in the question of if you recycle you know, does it really help the environment? And so these podcasts that I listen to, and I encourage you to listen to them, I mean, don't take my word for it, uh, really did a lot of research into recycling and did a lot of research into, um, you know, how beneficial actually was it. And so basically, the bottom line of two of the podcasts was that from the standpoint of the economic and environmental benefits that really the only product that's really worth recycling is aluminum. Now, the problem with plastics is that, you know, people started doing plastics and, you know, they recycle old peanut butter jars and they recycle things like that, but they don't clean those out very well. And so the other problem with plastics as well is, is that there's so many different types of plastics that the the job of cleaning and then separating all of those little plastics into the different categories you need to in order to actually be able to recycle uh, efficiently, it just isn't in place. Uh, the structure is not in place. And unfortunately, what you find out when you really look at it is, is that because of the difficulty of recycling plastics, because all of this stuff was going to China, and China just decided basically for a lot of materials, but maybe plastic specifically, that it just didn't make economic sense to do. And so unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is ending up in the ocean and those kind of things. And so you have to kind of make up your mind about whether or not it's better that that stuff be in landfills or that stuff be in oceans. Um, and neither uh, might be the best option, but I certainly think it would be better not to have it in the oceans. Um, and so it's sort of the same when you look at glass and when you look at paper and you look at all these things. It's because there's so many different types and they have to be separated and then they have to be really cleaned very, very well before they could be recycled is that it just doesn't make good economic sense really to do it. And so you ask yourself, well, why in the world are we doing all this recycling? Well, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we as people uh, get kind of concerned about things like this and they have to come up with ways to make us less concerned about things like this. Um, and so the third podcast, I think, was the most interesting of the three. 
And so basically the third podcast was specifically about the plastics industry. Now, one thing that's sort of interesting is plastics are made from petroleum. And so, you know, basically when you think about the oil industry and you think about the oil companies, it's like, yes, they're providing gasoline for your cars, but the much larger part of their business is using these petroleum products to make plastics that package everything that we use, like, you know, laundry detergent, peanut butter, I mean, everything that comes in a plastic container. And so I had a real big problem. So a couple of things. Number one, the real big problem of can you efficiently recycle this stuff? And then the second big problem, which was that these oil companies need to make profits and want to make profits. And so if they recycled a whole bunch of material and used that plastic to make new plastics, they wouldn't be selling more oil to make new plastics. And so the problem is, is that they have a vested interest in continuing to make new plastics and not recycling old plastics because if they recycle, they're losing money. And so basically the plastics industry had a problem because they were making all these plastics and they were being used for all these packages. But the general public, and this is 60 something years ago uh, and again 30 years ago, and now we're hearing some of the same things recently, that the general public was very, very concerned about what the heck was happening with all of this plastic. And, you know, it was sort of well known that it couldn't be recycled. And so people were starting to say, maybe we shouldn't use all these plastics. Well, of course, again, that's threatening the plastic industry's bottom line. And so the the podcast that they did was that they went and they talked to some of the lobbyists who previously were the lead lobbyists for the plastic industry. And these guys just kind of came clean and just kind of, said the real deal and they said hey you know the people that ran the plastic industry realized that they had a problem so they hired us to lobby and they also hired us to kind of change public sentiment and so basically the idea that they came up with was that they were going to sort of pretend that that plastics were recyclable in more than they were and so the way they did that is when you look at all the plastic products these days if you look at a tube of toothpaste and you look at a laundry detergent, peanut butter, I mean, all these things that come in plastics, they have this little triangle on them. And inside the triangle, there's some numbers. And so basically, the triangle is a triangle that the public had come to understand meant things were recyclable. And then the numbers inside were supposed to mean what type of plastic that it was so that it could be grouped with the other like plastics for recycling purposes. So these guys, the whistleblowers, basically just said, look, the plastic industry understood that this wasn't doable, that it wasn't feasible, that we didn't have the infrastructure, that, you know, it didn't make economic sense. But they wanted to sell more plastic, so they kind of just put this thing on all the plastic labels, and the public began to immediately believe that this stuff was all recyclable. And this caused problems for the people who collected recycling, because all of a sudden they started to get all this stuff, and there wasn't anything they could do with it. (laughs) And so they were like, why are we getting this stuff? It's because they put the recycling little triangle on there. And the other thing that they did along with that was they started putting out commercials. And it's kind of interesting. You can kind of YouTube and Google some of this stuff where you're looking at the plastics industry about every 15 years or so putting out these these heart-wrenching, you know, piano-based commercials talking about how good plastics are. And so between lobbying our federal people to not really address this problem, sending out these nice public messages to the, you know, about how great plastics are, and then a, a program to make people believe that recycle that plastics were more recyclable than they really are. That's how the plastic industry has kind of gotten away with not 
there not being any public outcry about all of this plastic filling up our oceans and our landfills and those kind of things. And so it's pretty interesting. I think that we could look at it and there's a chance we most likely could use alternatives. But I think as long as the public as a whole believes that plastics are perfectly fine and they're not really hurting the environment, uh, then I don't think there'll be any change, right? So masterful job <laughs> of an industry. And they certainly aren't the only industry that has done things like this. But um, I thought it was a very interesting listen and a very interesting topic. You know, unfortunately, the bottom line is, is now I've stopped recycling anything but aluminum. And the reason is, is because when you really look at it, it appears that recycling other things can actually end up being more harmful to the environment than uh, if you didn't do it. And so, you know, I'm trying to get my wife on board and she's she's getting there. It's it's tough for her. But because we've just been programmed to believe so long how good recycling really is. But when you really look at it, and it's not that it's not good. It would be really good if we could recycle all these products and they didn't fill the landfills and the oceans. The only thing is, is it's not very doable. And so I think we're going to need to make some new decisions going forward. But, you know, how do you get... Um, our politicians to listen when they're being lobbied and given money and, and then the public as a whole believes the things that they believe, you know, uh, it's it's a matter of education. And so I don't know, thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about today. Talking about uh, topic number two. So topic number two is, is that uh, so my wife and I for our anniversary every year we go to the beach and we usually spend a week, you know, this year we'll be going in the first week of October. Did make a little bit of change this time. Uh, we're going to spend the first two days in Biloxi uh, at the Beau Rivage this time and then go and spend, I think, five or six days at the beach. But it's just our yearly vacation we take together. A lot of times my dad goes, my stepmom, and we have a really nice time. We travel well together. We enjoy each other's company. And they live in Augusta, so it's really uh, been a time where we get to spend time with each other. Uh, most of the time, if we spend time otherwise, it's pretty short. And the other thing is usually all the other family is around. And not that we don't love all the other family, but it is really nice to me to have the ability to spend, you know, a week with my dad, you know, every year. Because uh, as he gets older and these kind of things, it, it's really valuable to me to have that time with him. I know I'll be able to look back and be very glad that we spent that time together. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that one thing, so of course my wife and my stepmom, they like the sun, we go to the beach and they're going to sit in the sun. And then you have me and my dad who are like <laughs> shade hounds, right? We don't want to sit in the sun all day. And, uh, so we have spent a lot of time. I mean, we're on year 18 of this trip. And so if you think about that, the things that we've done to try to get shade. So first of all, my dad had one of those uh, big canopies like you set up like at a football game for tailgating or something. And we didn't really love that because it was too heavy. And we've gone through a number of beach umbrellas. Uh, the majority of beach umbrellas don't work very well. They blow away. We did actually find one with a tripod that was meant to kind of set up on concrete, although you could bury the tripod and it would really keep the... Uh, the umbrella from blowing away but even when you used it I mean the amount of shade it gave you was just this really small area and eventually even those would break um, we found some better tents a couple years ago at Walmart um, and we and basically what happens is you go to the beach and you see what other people have and then you're like oh well that would be better than what we're doing so we got a couple of those tents and we've used those a couple years and the benefit to those tents is is that um, they're not as heavy 
but they're still really difficult to set up. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it's kind of one of those things when it's trying to set this stupid thing up. It's like I get very frustrated and my dad ends up getting, getting very frustrated. And it's like it makes our going to the beach, at least at the beginning, generally pretty unenjoyable. Just trying to get the stupid thing set up. Then you got to calm down and relax enough for a period of time <laughs> before you can really start enjoying the beach. And so basically I'm constantly on the lookout for new uh, ways to get shade and so recently we took a trip to St. Simon's Island I talked about it on an earlier podcast and we were there we saw someone on the beach that had uh, what's called a shibumi shade that's s-h-i-b-u-m-i and so basically what it is is it's basically like a thick tent camping pole that's like really flexible and then it's a very lightweight uh, I don't even know what material it's made of but really like a tent material um, that goes that that goes over that pole and kind of hangs backward away from the pole, and basically as the wind blows, it it makes this this tent material kind of blow up and it just creates a canopy. Um, so the thing weighs like four pounds, and I set it up this morning for the first time. I got mine in the in the mail last week, and there was some wind outside. You need to have wind of about three miles per hour to uh, keep the thing up which at the beach, you know, three miles an hour is really nothing. Um, the day we saw someone who had one, it was about eight miles an hour, and it really was doing a good job. So basically, you bend this tent pole, and you make it into a canopy, and you put the tent pole stakes into the ground, and then you have a um, a rope that comes off the front that goes to the very front of it that you put sand in this bag, and it kind of holds that up and then basically the wind just simply blows and it keeps this canopy up and it gives you shade and uh, the one we saw the interesting thing is is like how tightly uh, you bend the pole like if you bend it and it makes a really big arch you'll get less shade but if you spread it out you can kind of get more shade and when the one we saw and there were about eight adults kind of packed up underneath it you know a row in the front and a row in the back and it was providing really good shade for all of them, and the wind was keeping it up. And the simplicity of setting that thing up in comparison to all the other things we've ever tried is ridiculous. And the other thing is just how light it is, you know, four pounds. I mean, honestly, when we stay at the beach, the place where we stay doesn't allow you to leave tents up on the beach overnight. So every day you have to take them down, and then you have to, you know, set them up. And this thing, man, it's like a little shoulder bag, four pounds, set it up. It takes three minutes to set it up. It took me four minutes to break it down. And um, it was really nice. Now, at this time, I personally haven't used it in a beach situation. However, like I did see other people's and uh, what it was working great for them. And so our hope is that it's really going to work great for us because really been looking for a way in order to, um, you know, get a lightweight, easily portable, easy to set up and break down way to get shade at the beach and so really hoping that this is going to work um it's uh shibumi shade it's s-h-i-b-u-m-i shade.com and they've been so popular you have to pre-order them i ordered mine on my birthday which was august 8th and i didn't get it until last week so you know it takes about four months to get one if you pre-order one and the other thing is that they are very for what they are especially but for anything i think they're very very expensive i'll let you look at the price if you're interested <laughs> um the price is what really made me say i wasn't gonna get it but i ordered it on my birthday so happy birthday to me right but i think the thing is is just that i was thinking to myself yes this is pretty expensive but if it really worked well how 
much of a benefit it would be to our beach trip and we take it every year i think i'll get good use out of it um so anyway check it out i mean even if you're not interested in buying it i would look at it online uh, you know go check it out just from the standpoint of it's pretty darn cool and it's a really cool idea and i think probably what's going to happen in about a year or two years it's like right now this one company is making them and i and they're so popular i mean people are buying them and, and selling them on ebay for ridiculously higher prices than you can get them um because there's a good demand for them so my expectation is in a couple of years like a bunch of companies will be making them and they'll be in walmart and all this kind of stuff right but right now uh this is one place to get them and, and it's pretty cool check it out uh the third topic i was going to talk about today was uh just a trip that i have coming up with my good friends from high school and i know i've talked in the podcast before just about the fact that how unusual it is that uh you know i still have a good group of high school friends um there were five of us that hung out regularly in high school me and a guy named rodney and then three joshes and uh Rodney we haven't seen that much in the last years you know he lives in New York City and uh, his job takes him from New York City all over the country all the time and so we get to see him pretty infrequently although I have seen him a couple times in the last couple years and always enjoy seeing him and I would like to see him more often it's just less feasible for him I think than the rest of us um one of my friends Josh West he lives up in uh, Maryland and he's the one that secondly we hadn't seen in in quite as much just because again of the distance although he's driven down a couple times in the last few years and then one of the Joshes lives in Florence South Carolina which is where I moved Albany from and then another one lives in Myrtle Beach and those two I see a little bit more frequently uh, my mom still lives in Darlington South Carolina and my dad in Augusta so I'm I'm in the vicinity of those two guys and we train we'll plan some more uh, get out uh, getaways together than we can with the guys that live further away um but anyway, I mean, the bottom line is, is that these are my lifelong friends, right? And I think the thing is, is that it's a thing where we're able to, I mean, even if we don't talk for a long period of time, it doesn't matter. Kind of when we do talk, you know, we're back to, you know, like we never didn't talk for a period of time. Um, my friend Josh West from Maryland and I, we were thinking about it. And like really recently, we've been talking a lot more, but we really went some pretty long period of time where we've talked super infrequently, you know, just life, nothing other than that. Um, however, you know, <laughs> now that we're back talking more frequently, and really, and one of the great things about planning a trip or doing something with people like this is the fact that it makes you talk more, right? Because you, um, because of the fact that you know it gives you something to talk about and to plan the trip and then while you're planning the trip you start talking about other things and it's almost like we didn't talk a, a whole lot for a period of time and now we're back to talking pretty regularly and again it's like we never stop talking you know we're just the, the kind of friends that uh that that's not an issue for um my friend josh west as well um had a, a political conversation and we we're talking on the phone for like three and a half hours one night about politics stuff and uh, he's sort of on the other end where I am. And, uh, but it was a really good conversation. And there were things that he said that really made me think. And, you know, the problem is, is that we want to have these political conversations on Facebook, right? But you don't know these people on Facebook and you don't care about their opinions and this kind of thing. I mean, you read something on Facebook and it's against what you believe and you're kind of just going to immediately dismiss it. Yeah, it's really... And I'm not just talking about politics, I'm talking about anything in life that has any consequence at all whatsoever. You know, I think we believe things, and we're raised in certain ways, and raised in certain environments, and 
I think our beliefs, though, we should... It doesn't matter that we believe what we believe um, as much, but I do think that we should constantly sort of, or at least periodically, be reevaluating what we believe, right? So the the way to do that is to talk to other people who believe differently than you and then see what their viewpoints are and have a discussion, and a, and a good discussion, of course. And then, you know, sometimes it reaffirms to you what you believe. You believe it more strongly because the the things that the person said really helped you to, to find, to see that. But sometimes, though, that person might say something and it, and it might take a part of something you believe or and, and it might make you challenge it or question it and it might make you maybe think differently. And so the thing I think, though, is is that the conversation that I had with him is the is the conversation that I'm not sure I could have had with any other person. And the reason is, is because, again, I couldn't talk to someone I don't know very well or someone I'm not, you know, who's not my good friend. That I would really give their opinion that credence. Like they would say, someone else would say something and I immediately would just be like, nah. Like I wouldn't consider their viewpoint to be, if it was different than mine, to change anything for me. It's, but when your good friend does it, right? Then you, 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 you like that person and you value that person's opinion and you understand that that person doesn't have any animosity towards you. I mean, that's the really interesting thing, right? Is, is that, the majority of people that we meet, if they were to come at us with different viewpoints and we don't know them very well, like we would literally just use that to form our opinion of that person. And we'd be like, man, that person's a jerk or that person is really after me or whatever, whatever. You know, it doesn't happen that way with your good friends. Your good friends, you understand that your good friends like you and trust you and know all of your deep, dark secrets and that, that uh, they only want good things for you. So when they talk to you, you understand that they aren't, you know, being that way, and you're willing to listen, and so, uh, anyway, it was really interesting, and we hadn't had political conversations ever in the past that I recall, but it really was something that, because he and I hadn't talked in a while, it was really something that I was missing, um, so I'm really glad to get back to that, and I guess if I say any of that, it, that might have any benefit to anybody else, it would just be to, during COVID and during this time and during this political stuff where all these different viewpoints are out there, you know, I think it's really served to divide us a lot. And so I, I really have enjoyed, it was really because we decided to plan this trip that now we're talking a lot more frequently. And it's really helped me during this time where everything seems divided to have people who I am not ever divided with. I mean, these guys, I don't care what happens, right? These are my friends for life, 100%. And even if we disagree about things, that's perfectly fine because I love these people and I'm willing to listen to these people. And I think those are the people we need right now. And so if for some reason, you know, you've looked at yourself during this time of COVID or during the politics that are going on and all the division that's out there and you say, oh, my gosh, I have these good friends and I just haven't talked to them in a while. Well, I really suggest you give them a call. And I think the thing that you find, like, even if you had a fight with those people, if they're your really good friends, I think even if you find that if you reach out, like, that stuff goes away pretty quickly, right? And that these people are kind of the cornerstones in your life and help you get through times like this uh, that can be very tough, or at least, and, and certainly a lot tougher if you try to handle them on your own. Um, so I pretty much went off topic here. I spent this whole topic not really talking about what I intended to talk about, which was the trip. So I've got a little bit of time to talk about that. Uh, basically, we're going to go for the first time up to Maryland to my friend Josh West's house. The two Joshes and I will meet in Florence, South Carolina, and then we're going to drive up there, and we're going to spend a few days, and I'm really looking forward to it because, um, 
You know, one other thing about this friends like this is that, you know, we're always at work and we're stressed out and we're trying to fix everything and we have all these tasks that we have to do. Man, it is wonderful to just have a time where you can just sit around with a group of people that you like, that you can just 100% be yourself. I don't think I could do anything at this point that I haven't already done around these guys that that basically would, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like they know me. They know everything about me. They they know the good things I've done, the bad things I've done, and they've accepted me for those things, and they've always been my friends. And getting in that environment is just a stress-free environment. You don't have to worry about anything you can just sit around and talk with people you like and we can play cards and we can cook good food i mean i I don't really even believe there's going to actually like be a lot of events right like it's not like the other thing is is like some people you travel with and it's like you have to plan every single second yeah it's the same with my dad and my stepmom when we go to the beach we spend time together when we want to if we want to go do separate things we go do separate things but we know we can sit and hang out together and it's just kind of this good, no stress environment and we're going to have a good time together and all those things. And we don't actually have to do anything. And that's the thing with this trip is is we we may even make a bunch of plans. But if we do, I think it's as much likely that we just end up sitting around <laughs> talking and having a good time and playing cards and goofing off and just doing whatever and listening to, to our good music. You know, I'm in the band 95. And when you talk about the 90s music and everything from 95, man, it's like the time when I hung out with these guys, right? So when, when this is definitely our playlist. Um, so anyway, looking forward to that. Uh, the fourth topic I was going to talk about today were two separate podcasts that I listened to recently, both which I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one I want to talk about was another Planet Money podcast, which this one was about the Black Plague. And I thought there were a few interesting things. You know, the Black Plague... Uh, was a plague basically that killed half of the population of Europe. It was a bacterial infection. Um, And it was sort of interesting the way they presented it because they basically were presenting it along the lines of that even though the Black Plague was so terrible that there were some really good things that happened on the other side of it. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Now, one interesting thing that you see with COVID and you see with the Black Plague and some of these kind of things is that you actually have to have two animal vectors or insect vectors before it can get to humans. And it looks like with COVID, that was sort of the same kind of thing, is that it did take two animal species to kind of to change this virus so that humans could catch it. And so in the Black Plague, what happened is, is that initially this, this bacteria uh, infected the fleas and the fleas would get on the rats. And so basically what they said was that the bacteria made it so basically the fleas' stomachs were full. Um, Well, it wasn't that they were full. It was that the bacteria went in there and they couldn't necessarily eat anything because the bacteria kind of were all in the stomach and wouldn't allow that. And so they said what happened in response to that was because the fleas were always hungry, they just constantly bit. And so they're constantly biting these rats and then the rats are getting around the people, and then the people are getting sick. Um, and again, I mean, the death rate on this thing was ridiculous, right? And at the end of it, killed, you know, half of the population of Europe. But the whole point of it was, is that basically when the Black Plague occurred, it occurred at a time when um, there were these royals, or the rich people, or the people that owned castles, and then there were indentured ser- indentured servants and serfs, And that was sort of what it was. And it was a time when, you know, if your father did a job, if he worked in the fields or he was a baker or he was a 
you know, whatever it is he did, put on horseshoes or made leather or made metal, whatever he did, you were pretty much going to do. Like, you were born into a job, and those jobs fit into different economic classes, and so, like, essentially, whatever you were born into, that was going to be your class. And it was a system where, you know, the people that were above you in the class just basically expected that, that everyone should just know their place and stay there, and that's just the way it should be. And, I mean, things went like on like that for hundreds of years. And so the interesting thing that happened during the Black Plague was half of the people died. And so all of a sudden the landowners and the people that needed people to do work for them didn't have anybody to do it, or at least they had half the people to do it that they used to have to do it. And so it created this huge change in the society where all of a sudden workers had power because of the fact that the person was kind of born on the land of this wealthy landowner and was going to do the same job their dad did and there was no mobility because there was nowhere to go because the other landowners had their own other people that were doing this so it wasn't like if you did something and you're like well i'm not making enough money or i'm not getting enough from it i'm gonna go over here and see because it just didn't work that way that that wasn't necessary then all of a sudden you know there's the same amount of jobs and there's the same amount of tools and the same amount of everything but there's only half the people And so all of a sudden, workers have the ability to say, hey, you know, if you're not going to pay me well, I'll go over here because this guy really wants or needs people to do this work too. Um, And so, you know, it really changed society. And one of the really interesting things about it that I thought was that uh, they were talking about if you went through the, the garbage heaps from the time before the Black Plague and after. So before the Black Plague, the garbage heaps were pretty much where the lower classes were just eating like uh, grains and things like that but they weren't getting a lot of meats and a lot of proteins but then when you look after the plague when people's economic status began to improve now all of a sudden you're seeing a bunch of bones from meat that everyone's eating and so people are eating better and their diets improve and they have more money and they have more mobility and kind of all of this you know came out of the fact that half the population died. Now, not great that half the population died, but it did kind of change the entire society in Europe. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think the question or the idea was, is with all the stuff bad that's happening with COVID, is can we come out the other side of COVID better? Or at least, you know, does it, does it make us reevaluate things? I mean, I already see that it's made us reevaluate, does everybody need to come into the office? And I think after COVID's over, you're going to find a lot of companies who've been paying all this money to rent office space, and they found that their people are just as productive or more productive at home, and why would you spend all that money? And then you lose all this work time as your people are commuting and doing all these kind of things. So I think there's just going to be a lot of offices that don't come back, you know? Um... So I think that's one thing, but I think there's probably going to be some other things that kind of come out the other side of COVID, of just how we change uh, society a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what those things are. Um, Really quickly, the second podcast I wanted to to talk about was a guy named Dan Cummins. He's a comedian. He has a podcast called Time Suck, which I think is a really good podcast, and I would really recommend it to people. Um, Basically, he talks about all these different... uh, things but he likes to talk about serial killers there are a lot of serial killer episodes i don't generally listen to those but i usually listen to a lot of the other ones and it doesn't mean they're not interesting it's just really not my thing but he had one about the titanic not too long ago but he has a team of researchers and they really thoroughly research these topics and so when it's funny 
right? He's funny to listen to, and it's a it's an entertaining podcast. But at the same time, it's incredibly, incredibly informative. They're they're very exhaustive. So when you listen to a topic on his podcast, you're going to get a lot of the information. Um, but he recently did one about the 1992 LA riots, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it. Um, but I recommend highly. I think there's a lot of things he said in that podcast that sort of uh, translate into a lot of things that are happening today. And he really looked at a lot of things from a statistics base, um, from a truth or a fact base. You know, one of the big problems we have right now is there's a lot of people jumping to a lot of big conclusions and a lot of people that are screaming the loudest about this stuff are people that if you talk to them at all, you understand they haven't done any research and they don't know any of the facts. And so um, I'm really concerned, honestly, that, you know, with the current thing that's going on with cancel culture, um, that this podcast could cause him some problems. I wouldn't be shocked at all whatsoever, you know, if I turned on CNN and I saw that, you know, like he was being boycotted based off some of the things that were said on this podcast. And maybe it's not going to happen, but it just seems to me like there's this big group of people roaming around looking to try to cancel people and uh, trying to mess with their advertisers. And, you know, the smartest people out there, I think, are just ignoring that stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really recommend giving this a listen. And I just because I think he speaks about a lot of things from a statistical point of view that really kind of give some perspective to some of the things. And yes, the, the the primary thing is about the 92 riots, but he it's it's impossible to do that podcast without sort of talking about today because a lot of the same things are going on. Uh, these things are recycling a lot in history. Um, suspiciously, they tend to recycle quite a bit around elections. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you to decide what that means. Um, but I would 100% give that podcast a listen. It's, it's very intriguing. It's very interesting. You don't have to agree with all the facts. But I think the thing is, is knowing the facts, I think, can change the way that it, it, it changes my viewpoint a little bit. And so I certainly think that that's something that's good information. Um, so the last topic that I was going to talk about today, and I don't know, depending on time, I might throw in something else, but um, I was going to talk about 95. You know, 95 is my 90s band that broke up here during COVID. Guitar player moved to Florida, bass player decided he wanted to take a break. And so me and the drummer Cade, were, who were good friends, you know, still together, um, and I sat down and we said, well, do we really want to work to try to see can we get this thing back together or do we just want to kind of let it go? You know, Cade plays acoustic guitar. He and I kind of had an option that we could have just done a two-man thing if we wanted to. And if you're playing music, a two-man thing is much easier to get booked, you know, more available locations and the money's easier to come by than for like a four-person or five-person band because, you know, you have to make more money with that many people. And then to be a full band, I mean, there's a lot of places you can't play. You can't play the porch at restaurants and some of those kind of things. Um, and so we did decide, though, you know, maybe that we were going to give it another shot. Um, I put the message out on Facebook, kind of the band was dead. And one gentleman I had already been in contact with for a pretty good while. But then I actually got a, a contact from a few more people saying, hey, you know, if you guys you know, need a guitar player, need a bass player, you know, I'm kind of interested. And so last week we got together for the first time with a guitar player and with a bass player. Uh, neither guy we'd ever met before. We just talked online a little bit, but things went really, really, really well. Um, the guitar player was a very, very exceptional. He was really good. Uh, the bass player was good as well. Um, 
and you know we're going to get together again and we're just going to kind of see can we get something back together and i hope we can i mean the two-man thing is fun and uh Cade's a good guitar player i mean it's nothing against him but it's just like being for me <laughs> you know being the singer being able to be at the front of a rock band and interact with the crowd i mean it's one of the funnest things in my opinion in life it's one of the best things to do um and so we'll see if we can get it back together you know I'm encouraged by us getting together and, uh, you know, but it's just one time and you just never know how things are really going to work out, but I'm really hoping that it'll work out, uh, and we can do that. So I'll kind of keep you guys informed. You know, I, many of you that would listen to this podcast have, have liked 95's Facebook page. If you haven't, I recommend that you do so that we can kind of give you information about if we get back together and we, we can get a show. Um, these guys were pretty darn talented, you know, really to get a show together, we need about 40 songs and, and we expected during that practice to work on about six, but we actually worked up about 14 and not to perfection, but still, you know, everybody was, it seemed to have a good time and get along and those kind of things. And so we'll just kind of have to see how it goes. But if you haven't liked the 95 page, please do. Um, and, uh, we'll keep you informed going forward. Hopefully we'll get some shows going. Um, I do have another couple of minutes, uh, maybe two, one, something like that. Um, so I guess technically I won't go into another topic, but I do want to say uh, how much I appreciate everybody listening. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, if you get it on iTunes or wherever you get it, if you wouldn't mind kind of rating the podcast, um, you know, if you like it, give it five stars. Heck, rate it if you don't like it and comment. I'm perfectly fine with that too. Um, if you see me and you have suggestions for topics or suggestions about the podcast, um, let me know. I really appreciate all the people that stop me and tell me, you know, they're enjoying listening. And uh, so I do appreciate that. If you like it and you have someone else that might be interested, kind of recommend it to your friends. And uh, I appreciate that too. So I hope everybody has a good one until the next time we get together. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you see me, let me know what you think. And uh, you guys take care. Thanks very much.